Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Okay, did you listen to the headlines yesterday? Vatican approves blessings for same-sex couples. Pope Francis authorized blessings for same-sex couples. Pope Francis approves blessings for same-sex couples. Uh, Pope Francis allows blessings of same-sex couples. That's the Washington Post, NPR, CNN, and Reuters. Well, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops says doctrinal dicastery explains how, when, they both can be blessed. We're going to take a look at what the Pope actually said in his document, see if we can get some insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, thank you for the gift of Advent. Thank you, Lord, that you are coming towards us. You break into our lives, that you bless us with so many blessings in the heavens. I ask, Lord, for the blessing of wisdom in this program. I ask, Lord, for insight and the ability to speak well. Jesus, we do love you, and we ask that you would grant us the capacity to give and receive blessings, Lord. Help us to do that. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to give you a couple of kind of context pieces just to hold on to. So today in the program, I'm going to dig into uh, a document that just was released um, yesterday by the Vatican, um, it is called. It was. It was for. It was from the what used to be called the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, but now it's called the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. The document is called Fiducia Supplicans or Supplicating Trust, Supplicating Trust, and subtitled on the Pastoral Meaning of Blessings. So I love the title. The title is amazing. And it was um, it was a document that came out in connection with a request for a blessing that is associated with priests who become approached by uh, by people who are gay or um, a gay couple, a gay couple that's married or um, another unmarried couple. And the question is, can we bless them? If they come forward for a blessing, is it permissible to bless them? And there was a document that had come out previously. There was a a previous uh, document that had come out in October, and there was some really like nuanced distinctions in there about, well, you can bless the person, but you don't bless the relationship because those two things aren't equal. Someone who comes forward for a blessing as a person ought to be welcomed. We always ought to be able to bless that person. But if a couple comes forward that is either a uh, in a gay marriage or in an uh, irregular situation and asks for a blessing, 
what is a priest to do? And in that particular moment, the document that came out in October, there was a sense of saying, you must not create some kind of equivalence, even in appearance, between a blessing that would come upon a married couple, uh, a man and a woman, right? Natural marriage, uh, a, a married couple, or a married couple, you know, that is, you know, married in the church in a normal, in a regular situation, a sacramental marriage. The blessing that is associated with that union must not be equated with a blessing that a priest would give. And we can dig a little bit more into that. And there was a there was a call at that time about what's called pastoral prudence. There ought to be a sense of prudence to make sure that there is proper discernment that would go on between uh, the people who would be visible in seeing this act of blessing and the couple that would be receiving the blessing and the priest who is doing the blessing to make sure that there's not a mistaken concept of marriage that is communicated by what is happening. So there's an attempt here, and, and what we'll discover is that there's an attempt here by the Pope to extend in, in an extraordinary way this concept of mercy and the concept of blessings, that God is a God who blesses out of his infinite mercy and wants to reach out into the peripheries. And so while on the one hand remaining firm on the traditional doctrine about marriage and not leading to any kind of liturgical rite or blessing that's similar to the liturgical rite of uh, given to married couples, we have to avoid confusion, but also explore what it means to pastorally to extend a blessing and the possibility of blessing uh, gay couples or couples, same-sex couples or couples in irregular situations. Okay, that's that's really challenging. <laughs> it's extraordinarily challenging. And I'm going to make a distinction. Let me make a distinction between the doctrine that we're going to find written here, because there's some profound insights here about the nature of blessing. You will, we'll see how in this document, there's this three whole, let's call it three forms of direction associated with blessings. There are blessings that are, when, when you read in the scriptures or theologically, spiritually reflect on the concept of a blessing, there's a blessing that descends from heaven. There's a blessing that ascends from earth to heaven. It's human beings blessing God. And then there is blessings that extend from one person to another. And I love that. In fact, I found this very helpful in, in light of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, specifically around uh, the teaching on prayer. Because the, the, when, the, when the Catechism talks about prayer and forms of prayer, it talks about blessing but doesn't really break it open and, and, and expand or extend what does it mean to, to bless uh, and, and blessing as a form of prayer. So this document, in fact, expands upon the meaning of blessing as a, as a type of communication that is from God to us, from us to God, and let's say from God through others, others who are in relationship with God, offering and extending a blessing towards others. And 
honestly, I found that really, really wonderful. So that's one part I'm going to explore with you today in the document. But the part that I find troubling, the disturbing, and challenging in a different way is, let's call it the six will get you seven syndrome. The six will get you seven syndrome is the clever way that this document will be used. It's not might be used. It's that it will be used by those in the church who are supportive of same-sex marriage and will see in this nuanced presentation of doctrine an opportunity to confuse, to justify, to rationalize behaviors and, and activities that are done by the church uh, or in the name of the church to, frankly, cleverly confuse the faithful and mislead the faithful. That, that sadly is going to happen. Um, I want to give you, I'm going to tell you a story, a little story here about a bit of my background in relationship to um, same-sex marriage. So you may remember in the state of Washington, you have to go all the way back now, about 10 years, we go all the way back to 2012 in the state of Washington, where there was a referendum um, on the ballot uh, that would legalize same-sex marriage. And if you remember, there was, in the state of Washington at that time, a sense of everything but the legal identification of marriage with same-sex relationships. So there were same-sex unions and, and domestic partnerships. It was everything but marriage was what was on the books. And I remember very well being out there representing the Catholic Church's teaching, saying that we don't want any unjust discrimination against people for the uh, positions that they take and, and, and the, the life that they're living, no unjust discrimination. At the same time, we do not support the legal definition of marriage to include same-sex relationships. And I remember the just outright lies and deception on the part of those who were among the leaders of those who were proposing that this referendum should be supported in the state of Washington. What they were saying was, we only want this legal definition of marriage so that our loved ones can go down the aisle of a church and have their uh, their religious celebration of their relationship being blessed uh, in church. And right now that's not permitted. And so they can't get married. And, and the, the radical deception that that was, was that there were these ceremonies going on all the time in all kinds of churches throughout Seattle and in, in the Puget Sound area. 
And there was this heart tug. We just want to be able to have these ceremonies for our daughter, for our son, for our loved ones. And when questions came up about, well, is it possible that this is going to, if we have this, if this is going to in, uh, impact the civil rights of individuals who don't agree with the morality of same-sex couples. No, no, that would never happen. That is not what this is about. This is not has nothing to do with with civil rights and 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 facing uh, any kind of penalty or punishment if you were to disagree with with this position. That if if you disagree, that's fine. This is about my kids and and my loved ones being able to have a church celebration because it's legally accepted that this is the definition of marriage. And just a few months later, we had that florist in Richland, Washington, who had a former employee, if I get the details right, who wanted to have flowers provided by this flower shop, Arlene's Flowers in Richland. And uh, and she refused because it was against her belief. Not she was nothing against the 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 fellow, but just well, I, I don't believe that, and that as morally correct. And well, what happened? Anti discrimination laws. Well, you know, Washington law against discrimination, and she got taken to court and was found guilty. And the attorney general agreed with this, and it was just a terrible. It was how many months did it take? Right, and so. I share that with you just to say that one of the big challenges that we face is that you can take some doctrine or in this instance, this, uh, that example is legislation, but you can take some document that proposes a policy and you put it forward and it, it's meant within a very narrow set of confines, a very specific set of features where such an activity ought to be determined to be acceptable and, and fitting so that it can be used correctly. And instead, it's six will get you seven. Six will get you seven. And I've said six will get you seven several times before. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the number of God in the book of Revelation, 777. It's the perfect number, the number of completion and perfection, seven, repeated three times is taking it to its highest level. Well, what's the number of imperfection? The number of imperfection is the number six. It's not zero. The difference between zero and seven is completely obvious. Right, you know when there's zero, or if the two options are, did you have zero or seven? You can tell if there's zero or seven. But if I was quickly to like uncover, uh, you know, under, under a bowl there are marbles, and I quickly lifted it and then closed it back again, and I said, were there six or seven there? I have a hard time because six looks an awful lot like seven, and so six repeated or elevated to its highest level of imperfection is 666. And so the Antichrist, the whole spirit of the Antichrist is that the Antichrist traditionally, guess what? Physically resembles Jesus Christ. That's the tradition. The tradition is that the Antichrist is actually going to look like Jesus. 
and will perform marvels like Jesus, will perform wonders like Jesus did, so that there will be confusion. And this confusion won't just confuse people who don't know anything about the faith, but even the elect, uh, even the faithful, even those who are uh, firm, solid followers of Jesus Christ can be misled very well could be misled because six will get you seven. Six will get you seven. And my fear, uh, the thing that I'm concerned about is that this is a an example where what is meant for good is going to be cleverly turned to evil purposes. Back in a minute with more Sun Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So I, I am reflecting on a papal document that came out yesterday on the, um, on the pastoral meaning of blessings, which is a beautiful thing. And uh, and there's this idea of uh, supplicating trust, right? It's this, this idea of entrusting oneself to God in supplication, in, in turning to God and in, in, in crying out for a blessing, right? That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. And, and I, I'm looking forward to diving into this document. But just before the break, I was mentioning the way in which my, my spidey sense, my discernment is that we need to be paying close attention to how this document just might be cleverly used to deceive and mislead and malform Catholics. And, and honestly, uh, the way that it will be used by the press to misrepresent what the church is actually attempting to do in this document. I think it's very important that we take some time and we take a look and say, all right, let's keep our eyes open. Let's understand what this document is saying versus what it isn't saying. And I, I think I already, like, well, I think I already shared with you at the beginning that this document does not state that the Catholic Church has changed its teaching on the nature of marriage as a sacrament. No, marriage as a sacrament is between a man and a woman, right, who are baptized and confirmed, right, the, the fullness of this sacrament of holy matrimony, um, but between men and women. The idea of same-sex couples being identified as a legitimate, as a supported, as a morally acceptable form of relationship is not part of the church teaching. It's not. But you can see how the mainstream media and others who are supportive of this kind of relationship can run with it 
and can say, ah, you see the church's teaching has changed. The church's mind mindset is finally coming up to speed with the contemporary thinking, finally getting out of the, the, the dark ages. That is the thing that I'm concerned about. Now, you might say to me, Tom, why are you concerned about this when it comes to the idea that you might have priests um, or bishops who would use this in, in ways that are not in accord with the actual letter of the document? Well, what's the basis of your concern? Well, the basis of my concern is my own lived experience of being in the seminary for five years, two years in Boston, three years in Rome, and then for 35 years of doing church work with many bishops and dioceses around the country, and even for a few years impacting the whole world, and having a number of uh, uh, other seminarians that I was in the seminary with, now in positions of leadership in dioceses, and including, I think it's probably close to 20 bishops now, guys that I studied with. Okay, so you know a lot of guys, Tom, who you studied with that are bishops and are in leadership, but still tell me why is that an issue? Well, because of the number of same-sex attracted men, so guys who identified as gay, as same-sex attracted, they didn't say I'm same-sex attracted, they said I'm gay in the seminary, and who were actively gay. And it was, it was, it was a hidden, an open secret. So you have many guys who were in diocesan seminaries, and this isn't, like, I'm not telling you anything that's radically new, right? You, you've heard this before. But when you have a number of guys who were not formed to be uh, chaste, but were uh, openly engaged in same-sex relationships in the seminary, then got ordained, and then ended up being moved into high positions in dioceses, including being ordained bishops, that you could see how there is a real, oh, wait a minute, I could see how there could be a concern that men who were ordained and who were elevated into positions of leadership in the Catholic Church and who are same-sex attracted and acting out of this, that uh, they would use a document like this in a way that would further justify or rationalize or provide a basis for them to extend the way in which they are shepherding their people, whether it's at the parish level, at the diocesan level, in the seminaries themselves where they are uh, teaching or forming others, or as bishops leading dioceses. So it is, it, these are confusing times. And, um, you know, when you hear I'll just stop talking about that. All right. Uh, let me just say this, that it is going to be so important that you pray, that you stay close to the Lord, that you seek him first, that you are willing to fast and pray for our Holy Father, for our bishops, for our priests, and for our seminarians. For they are under attack spiritually under attack. And those who are among the clergy who identify them who are who are same-sex attracted, they are laboring with something that is called a concupiscent desire. 
Okay, so that's concupiscent desire. There are many kinds of desires, like the, the desire that lives within us, right? Let's say that we're born with these different desires that are within us. And some of these desires urge us towards the good, towards doing good things, right? And, and we ought to nurture and affirm those desires because when they were authentically human and uh, and when we're baptized uh, and we are brought into the church, they can become elevated and used by God to even accomplish more good, right? So the, the desire to protect the innocent uh, and to have the courage to give of oneself, to have the innocent be protected. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And we would want to have more of that, that idea of courageous, generous service on behalf of those who are weak and fragile and, and vulnerable. Beautiful. Let's Let's continue to do that. But there are other desires that are in us that as a result of our fallen human nature, as a result of original sin, we're born into this condition in this world where even natural desires have a broken quality to them. Those desires can be redeemed. Those desires can be redeemed. Right. So uh, you have a desire, like easy ones, you just take the seven deadly sins. And you know, if I picked the one for the guys and one for the for the for women, women and women. So for men, lust. Right? What is lust? Lust. Okay, I look at a woman. I find her to be attractive. Now that's a natural desire. But if I want to then um, use that woman for my own in my own mind for my own sexual pleasure, well, that's a that's a sin. That's lust. That's a bent form. That is a form of. A desire that is associated with my human nature that needs to be redeemed. It needs to be cleansed. It needs to be re, it needs to be uh, turned in a life-giving way, such that I can take a look and see beautiful women and let them lead me to God and let me celebrate the fact that the beautiful Lord created beautiful creatures. So those desires can be and ought to be redeemed. And that's that whole call to be chaste and modest and pure and self-controlled, die to self, all of those things, right? That, that, that lifelong challenge. Okay. But what about desires that live within us that don't have a uh, redeemed capacity, like malice? Malice is willing evil for someone. You, you can't cleanse the, the will that someone would would experience evil and have evil be heaped upon them. You know, if I have malice towards you, it's objectively wrong. It, there's no good form of malice. <laughs> there's no good form of malice. There is a good form of a desire that says, I, I see that money is a good and can be used to do good things. But when I give myself over to it in a bent way, I end up being greedy. Same with food. All the, Again, all those other ones. But there's no good form of malice. And the same is true for same-sex attraction. Same-sex attraction is objectively disordered. The, the desire of a male for a male, there's no cleansed form of that. There's no life-giving form of that. It is concupiscent, which means it is bent towards a sinful expression. There is no life-giving expression for that desire. And so those who experience it, the church teaches, experience a cross. And we ought to have a sense of compassion for them if they experience that cross, because they're experiencing a desire for which there is no life-giving expression. And so they are never given permission to express that desire to 
express themselves sexually um, towards uh, a person of the same gender. It's a concupiscent desire. And so that's one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why we would look and say same-sex unions would never be celebrated. Same-sex sexual activity will never be celebrated because it's always broken. There is no virtuous, life-giving way to engage in that behavior. Okay, let's come around then and say, because that's what is real, that is what is true, that is what the church has revealed to us through Jesus Christ and continues to maintain into this moment, what in the world is this document proposing when we have this idea of the pastoral meaning of blessings? Well, let's look at the document. And so I already mentioned to you that there was a response that the Holy Father already gave back in October to what are called dubia or doubts that some cardinals were having about the question of blessing of same-sex unions and persons uh, and people in irregular circumstances. And so the declaration continued to propose the traditional doctrine of the church. I'm reading the document here now. This is today's, yesterday's document not allowing any type of liturgical rite or blessing to a liturgical rite that can create confusion. Uh, similar to a liturgical rite or blessing, similar to a liturgical rite that can create confusion. And so um, this then leads to a broadened and enriched understanding, a classical understanding of blessings. And so this document here is what we are going to take a look at um, the supplicating trust of the faithful people of God. Supplicating trust is the name of the document, and that's taken from the first two words of the Latin text. Uh, and so supplicating trust is, is the beginning of the introduction here. And so let's take a look at it. The supplicating trust of the faithful people of God receives the gift of blessing that flows from the heart of Christ through his church. Francis offers this timely reminder, the great blessing of God is Jesus Christ. He is the great gift of God, his own son. He is a blessing for all humanity, a blessing that has saved us all. He is the eternal word with whom the Father blessed us while we were still sinners, as St. Paul says. He is the word made flesh, offered for us on the cross. And so, encouraged by such a great and consoling truth, this dicastery has considered several questions about the possibility of blessing same-sex couples, and in the light of Pope Francis's fatherly and pastoral approach of offering new clarifications that the Congregation, of the Doctor, uh, that the doc, uh, Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith published in, in February of 2021. Okay, so um, we're going to take a look at what uh, the Holy Father has said and what this document intends to expand upon. So the first is this idea of the blessing that's involved in the sacrament of marriage. So Pope Francis's recent response to the second of the five questions posed by two cardinals offers an opportunity to explore this issue further, especially in its pastoral implications. It is a matter of avoiding that something that is not marriage is being recognized as marriage. So that's what they want to avoid. They want to avoid the idea that whether it's a same-sex Union, or whether it's a couple that's in an irregular situation, 
would be identified as a marriage in comparison to those who are married sacramentally in the church. And so, therefore, rites and prayers that could create confusion between what constitutes marriage, which is the exclusive, stable, and indissoluble union between a man and a woman, naturally open to the generation of children. I love that. And what contradicts that are inadmissible. And so, um, so this is the understanding of marriage that is offered by the gospel. For this reason, when it comes to blessings, the church has the right and duty to avoid any right. R-I-T-E, that might contradict this conviction or lead to confusion. Such is also the meaning of the response to the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, which says that the Church does not have the power to impart blessings on unions of persons of the same sex. So this is all the introduction, right? It, it's really clear here that um, this is something that, uh, that, that this document is not changing or touching the teaching of the church about the nature of marriage, but instead is focused on the concept of blessing and who is it that ought to be blessed and what form should the church's teaching take on its ministers offering blessings to others. So that's what we're going to dig into uh, in this program. We're up against a break. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to dig into the meaning of the various forms of blessings that I touched upon earlier. Blessings that descend, blessings that ascend, and blessings that extend. Okay? So we'll dive into that in just a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carnes. Great to be with you today. So I hope that you're blessed by this program. Oh, I like that word. What is a blessing? Right? So blessing in the Catechism of the Catholic Church is identified as this first form of prayer. It's God showering down graces upon us, showering down aids of support, showering down his mercies, his, his care, and expressions of his care. That's, that's blessings that descend upon us, that God begins, the, the whole scriptures begin with God as the source of all blessing. And then there's this sense of turning back to God and blessing God for the good things that he has given to us. And so we bless you, Lord, by our own prayers and sacrifices and offerings, our devotion and our expressions of, of, of acclamations of, of what it is and, and how wonderful he has been to us. And so we have this extension of of ascending, blessings ascending, that we bless God. Then there's this third form, not only this descending of blessings from God, but this ascending of blessings to God. There's also this extending of blessings, that we who have been blessed, we become a conduit of extending blessings towards others. And this document goes into the various ways in which these types of blessings are all found throughout the scriptures. They're found in the, the church's liturgical book of blessings. They're found in the lives of saints. Um, and, and, and in doing this, in going through all of these different theological and pastoral understanding of blessings, there's this sense of saying, you know what, we need to contemplate with an attitude of faith and fatherly mercy that when one asks for a blessing, one is expressing a petition 
for God's assistance, plea to live better, and confidence in a father who can help us live better. That is a more pastoral approach to blessings. That's Pope Francis's request. And this request should in every way be valued, accompanied, and received with gratitude. People who come spontaneously to ask for a blessing show by this request their sincere openness to transcendence, the confidence of their hearts that they do not trust in their own strength alone, their need for God, and their desire to break out of the narrow confines of this world, enclosed in its limitations. Isn't that beautiful? So that's a that's a very healthy, like flourishing mindset that we could not have a very narrow or restrictive idea of the idea that God intends to only bless us in these very constrained, confined ways, or that those who come forward looking for blessings are doing so only because they are in a um, a really wonderful circumstance in life, and they're and they're just uh, just uh, having experienced the lavishing of God's blessings on their lives. But rather, they come at a point of need. They come at a place of need, at a time of need, and they're seeking help from God, who is the giver of all good gifts. So that's the that it, I'm doing this really simply and quickly here. I'm kind of uh, summarizing a lot uh, in what the, the document is saying. Now let's take a look at blessings of couples in irregular situations and couples of the same sex. This begins at paragraph 31 of this document that, again, just came out yesterday, um, released by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. Uh, and it's elaborating upon some of what came out in an earlier document in October and some previous um, uh, messages that have come from Pope Francis. And so paragraph 31 says this, within the horizon outlined here appears the possibility of blessings for couples in irregular situations and for couples of the same sex. So what are irregular situations? It'd be like, well, a couple that's living together but not married. Or um, a couple that um, were divorced and remarried, but not in the church. Um, or a couple that were married outside the church, and there's uh, like an atheist and uh, a Catholic. And, and so you have all of these irregular situations. And then you have uh, same-sex couples as the two that were identified here. And it says, within the horizon outlined here appears the possibility of blessings for couples in irregular situations and for couples of the same sex, the form of which should not be fixed ritually by ecclesiastical authorities to avoid producing confusion with blessing proper to the sacrament of marriage. Okay, so it's starting to now refine and define the concept of what does a blessing look like for, uh, let's focus on same-sex couples, uh, who are saying, we would like to be blessed. So the first principle is, okay, don't fix it ritually. In other words, we're not going to put in our book of blessings, here is the blessing for same-sex couples and for couples in irregular situations. No, we don't want to confuse people being blessed in those circumstances with 
the blessings that are given when you pray blessings upon those who are uh, sharing in the sacrament of marriage. In such cases, a blessing may be imparted that not only has an ascending value, but also involves the invocation of a blessing that descends from God upon those who, now this is the key right here, this particular section, upon those who, recognizing themselves to be destitute and in need of his help, do not claim a legitimation of their own status, but who beg that all that is true, good, and humanly valid in their lives and their relationships be enriched, healed, and elevated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to read that again, and I want you to imagine in this scenario, in this circumstance, that you have a same-sex couple, and they are coming into the church, and they're approaching a priest, and they're going to say, Father, could you bless our relationship, please? Can you bless our relationship? I want you to imagine that couple and ask yourself the question, when they come, are they saying, Father, please bless us because we recognize ourselves to be destitute and in need of God's help? We don't claim that our status is a legitimate one, but we beg that all that is true and good and humanly valid in our lives and in our relationships be enriched and healed because we know it needs to be healed and, and it needs to be elevated by the impulses, by the presence of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm having a hard time even imagining that scenario at all. It just I, I'm having a hard time imagining that that would be a, a, a circumstance, a situation. Um, it, it, it's taking an aspect of our life of faith. It's taking an aspect of our church's teaching, which is that same-sex attraction is an objectively disordered desire. It's a concupiscent desire. There is no life-giving expression of it. And is saying that those who find themselves in a situation where they're expressing that, and they're identifying a relationship based around that, that they come forward and they're saying, we are asking you to help us because we're destitute. We need help. We're in a position of utter spiritual poverty, and we're broken. And so we're coming to you for a blessing. That doesn't strike me as having much like grounding in reality as compared to what? Well, as compared to people who are in a relationship like that, they have already formalized it. They celebrate it. They live it. They are public about it. They are manifesting it in a way that is, uh, for them, uh, their way of uh, living in, in, a, um, in a marriage relationship. And now, finally, that can also be blessed by the Catholic Church. 
let's come and let the church put a hand of blessing over our relationship and say, we bless this as coming from God. Here's God's blessing upon you and upon your relationship as a sign of, um, of, of celebration, as a sign of affirmation, as a sign of confirmation of what it is the two of you are living. Of those two, which is more likely? Of those two, can you even imagine the first as compared to the second? Because I'm thinking that those who are in the first condition are not coming together and are crying out for help, saying that we are destitute and we need help. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Karn. It's great to be with you. So today I'm, I'm reflecting on the beautiful elements that I see in this document that was released yesterday by the Vatican uh, from the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith about blessings and the enhanced and advanced ex, uh, teaching on the uh, spirituality of blessing and theology of blessing. I, I love it. It's amazing. It's, it's really, from that standpoint, the document is amazing. From the standpoint of finding the pastoral prudence and uh, application of that teaching to circumstances that could potentially involve a blessing um, for couples that are in uh, same-sex marriages, that they would be approaching priest and saying, please bless us because we acknowledge and we cry out that we are in a dest- we are destitute before God and we need God's help. We don't claim that our status is legitimate, but we beg that God would cleanse our lives and relationships from all that doesn't honor him. When above the document is saying, we do not in this document at all intend to confuse or mislead the faithful that the church's teaching has changed at all about the uh, legitimacy of same-sex marriages that they do not have a stance of being upright or morally good in the eyes of the church, that it does not come from God. And so just hearing that and knowing that, it, it is a really challenging thing to imagine the circumstances that would be present in, uh, in this kind of situation. Now, I can imagine an individual saying, the Lord has opened my eyes, and I realize that I have been misled and malformed, and I find myself stuck in a circumstance. I'm, I'm in even a kind of spiritual bondage to that circumstance uh, because of my acting out on this desire in my life, and I, I need God's help to be set free. I need God's help and I need wisdom and guidance to, to know how to uh, extricate and separate myself and, and move into a life-giving direction in my, in my life. That, that is something that we ought to pray for. We ought to pray for, for uh, people coming forward and, um, and, and finding a source of blessing like that. I, I actually can think of a circumstance where this kind of blessing um, for couples in irregular situations, uh, this might be an example. 
So I know a couple who um, were married, got divorced, and then got remarried, and um, and then wanted to um, enter and live their Catholic life and be blessed uh, as uh, Catholics in their married life, but there wasn't the capacity to do that because of the lack of an annulment in one in one of the um, past marriages, and so uh, they uh, they were following the guidance of um, of some uh, of a priest who had said to them that you know what you know in your circumstance you can come forward to receive holy communion, and then they uh, what they realized was well wait a minute now if we're going to honor what the church teaches we cannot live as husband and wife and come forward for Holy Communion. So we will either have to forego living as husband and wife in marital love um, and receive Holy Communion uh, until, our, um, until our marriage becomes regularized, until we can actually receive the annulment and then get married in the church in, in, a, in that way. Or we need to refrain from going to Holy Communion, and so they, and they chose to live as brother and sister, to be able to receive Holy Communion, and uh, until they until their annulment was completed, uh, and and be faithful to the Church's teaching. That boy, talk about requires a blessing. Talk about. The challenge of of living that type of of married life that says we will honor what the church teaches, even though it means tremendous sacrifice and suffering, uh, but we're not victims, and so we're going to honor what the church teaches and and trust that the Lord will honor us for that. Wow, come forward for a blessing, <laughs> blessings, blessings to 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 live out. God's call for your life in a in a very challenging circumstance, and so um, the the document goes on to say that um, says that these forms of blessing express a supplication that God may grant those aids that come from the impulses of His Spirit, what classical theology calls actual grace. So that human relationships may mature and grow in fidelity to the gospel, that they may be freed from their imperfections and frailties, and that they may express themselves in the ever-increasing dimension of the divine love. Indeed, the grace of God works in the lives of those who do not claim to be righteous, but who acknowledge themselves humbly as sinners like everyone else. This grace can orient everything according to the mysterious and unpredictable designs of God. Therefore, with its untiring wisdom and motherly care, the church welcomes all who approach God with humble hearts, accompanying them with those spiritual aids that enable everyone to understand and realize God's will fully in their existence. And so I, you know, when I look at that paragraph, you just say, wow, this is this is such a beautiful expression of the church's teaching of God's merciful love and desire to bless and to draw magnetically through loving mercy all people to himself. And that he calls all of us to recognize that, you know what? We are sinners. We fall short. We need to be humble before God 
so that he who has blessed us so much, we might not be too quick and too um, to easily want to block other people from receiving God's blessings. What I won't do for myself is ask God to bless my sin. What I won't do and what we ought not to do is ask the Lord to bless our lives at the point where we're dishonoring him and the teaching of the church and ask him specifically to bless us in those actions, attitudes, and ways of living. Now, those are the places where the blessing that we're asking for, blessing that we ought to be seeking, is a blessing to sever our connection to those sinful ways of living, to unbind us and let us go free, to convert our minds and hearts, to not celebrate, affirm, and confirm. Um, If you have ever uh, known somebody who self-identified with uh, the same-sex attraction and that community, one of the things that you'll discover is that those who been part of that community and then have found a path out will say that one of the uh, one of the ways in which someone will end up becoming free from that lifestyle is when they have somebody in their lives, at least one person in their lives, who did not celebrate, accept, and uh, affirm their decision to enter into that lifestyle that that becomes one of the the lifelines out is that someone says, I love you, but I love you enough not to celebrate what I know is not life-giving for you, what is not God's truth for you. It's not who you are. It's not what will bring you life. And so I love you, but I love you enough not to let you get away with what I know is not good for you. And honestly, that that's a godly attitude. That's a godly attitude. And I think that that is the intention of this document. I think that that is, you can find it in the document. But what I'm asking for you to be praying about is have your antenna up so clearly that what comes from this document is not a celebration, a confirmation, or an acclamation that says we ought to be blessing in an affirming way what the church continues to identify as sinful, broken, and not from God, which is the expression sexually of same-sex attractive desires and same-sex unions. And so we don't celebrate those. This document doesn't bless those in a positive way. The, the document continues to uphold the teaching of the church and don't let Uh, don't let someone in authority in the church tell you differently. Read the document for yourself. Take a look. It's at the beginning, it's in the middle, and it's at the end. The church continues to uphold its teaching about marriage as between one man and one woman, exclusive and for life, and open to life. All right, I hope this was helpful. I hope it was a blessing. God bless you. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.